Macy Gage from the Tangentialist blog digs up and discusses events and experiences from her own collaged history on having a stigmatized condition known as bipolar. She relates, reflects, and refocuses it into infectiously funny anecdotes and amusing stories that will have you in stitches. Being a roaming artist, a roaming distracted artist, that reinvents and reimagines her goals constantly, this podcast takes you down a twisting rabbit hole of icons and avenues of slightly familiar yet offbeat occurrences. Join her every other week as she delves into her own bizarre memory banks, pulling out some eccentric moments that capture the intimacy on the ups and downs of this disorder lived out in her electric days of her rebellious youth. Hey everybody, this is Macy Gage, and let's just uh, jump right in. So this is part two of Extraordinary Fields Forever podcast number 12, and it had to happen because there's just not enough room to fit everything in. I have been promising so many things, so it's time to start tackling that. I'm not sure that I will get to everything, but let's start where we left off and and work our way backwards. I'll try not to get off, uh, off on a tangent, but I can't make any promises. I left you with how I met Jude and how he was such an important part of my life while I was going to school. What I left out was the dangers that I got myself into. I can't blame it on my disorder or TBI, traumatic brain injury, because there are other extenuating sort of circumstances that just are a part of who we are and it doesn't necessarily mean it's the chemistry in our brain and it's such a hard thing to really pinpoint. I'm going off topic already. What I left out was the dangers that I got myself into from a desire to fit in, to standing out, to am I set apart from everybody? Or or what is my strange behavior stemming from? Sometimes I can't tell where the distinctions lie. One of these dangers was getting involved with some bad actors, losing my belongings by not realizing how manipulative those said people can be theft in different cities and countries, as well as some right at home. What was I thinking when I walked out of the bay with a stack of bath towels? I definitely wasn't thinking. Theft, it's actually really something that is really embarrassing. But it was said to me when when this happened that it was sort of a cry for help, that I was exhibiting that kind of behavior, that obviously I knew that behavior was wrong, and that I was looking for somebody to help sort of guide me, help me to see and sort of figure out how to get myself out of that way of of acting and and correct my behavior and become more integrated into sort of social situations to become sort of normalized in in a sense and, and to not feel I had to act out in a way that is, well, obviously illegal. Is it me trying to get somebody's attention? Well, why was I doing that? This is something Jude would often remind me of. There are always consequences, even if we don't see them right away. I don't know if the illusion of living in a bubble was purely from my traumatic brain injury or bipolar. I have a feeling my genes were already loaded and those conditions just pulled the trigger. And that was Jenna on Facebook that gave me that analogy that is very fitting. What I have learned is to think, and not just of the moment, or for that person or that situation, that our attitudes transcend. They sort of have a ripple effect. And this is a perfect time for a quick review of what TBI or traumatic brain injury and bipolar actually mean. Currently for 2020, I don't know if things are going to change, that's for right now. So bipolar disorder, formerly called manic depression, is a mental health condition that causes extreme mood swings 
that include emotional highs, mania or hypomania, which can be described as a feeling of euphoria or a lot of energy or also irritability. And there's the lows, the, the mood swings that are low, and then that's depression that is felt as feeling of hopelessness or sadness. If only that was all it was. I came up with uh, an anagram for how it affects me in case I forget. And it's either Jam C or Macja. So they're not very effective in creating another word. They kind of are a little bit, at least for Jam. So Jam C is judgment, attention, memory, and concentration. The first letter of each word that actually ends up becoming Jam C. And then another way of looking at it is Mac J which is memory, attention, concentration, and judgment. Depends whichever I feel like fits the most at that moment. Another way to reference this sort of memory strategy is a mnemonic, and that, that's actually what it's called. I learned that when I was taking my psychology course at uh, OCAD, and it's when you just use the first letter of a word just to identify something uh, and to just record it in your mind as, some, as, as something, uh, so sort of a short form. And people that also use this uh, are people at Starbucks to identify a drink. They just shorten it to a few letters. And if you've been there, you know. Yeah, I just wanted to identify where I actually learned that from first. I used it as a memory strategy also for, for getting groceries, turning things into a word, which is also in a, the anagram that I mentioned. Or I would just shorten it to, say if it was three or four things, I would just remember remember those beginning letters and, and that would be my sort of code to, to remember that. TBI stands for traumatic brain injury and a TBI is caused by a bump, blow, or jolt to the head that disrupts the normal function of the brain. And not all blows or jolts to the head result in a TBI. The severity of this said TBI may range from mild, i.e. a brief change in mental state or consciousness, to severe, i.e. an extended period of unconsciousness or memory loss after the injury. Most TBIs that occur each year are mild, commonly called concussions. And the reference for these two descriptions, the websites and everything will be will be posted on facebook.com backslash tangentialist with a capital T. Back to the podcast. So, okay, I have been, uh, I have talked a lot about Dante and how I broke his heart and how it just sort of had to be done. Well, that's a lot of BS. I have to take responsibility for not considering the feelings of others before I acted out. And it's it's hard to really become responsible for something in the past. It's it's in the past, <laughs> but you can become aware of of why you did something and and what your intentions were, and really analyze. Well, what was I really thinking, and what was I? Did I really plan this out? Was I was did I really want to hurt somebody, or or was it just like an accident? Or like it, there's there's lots of ways of of sort of coming to a conclusion of, of how things actually ended up happening. I, I broke his heart and I really obviously wasn't wasn't considering that, that he was he really cared for me and that, you know, I really needed to, to consider that before before I just took off to, to the big city to, you know, pursue my dreams when he was he was doing his thing. I mean we could have but we didn't talk about it, how we kinda continued sort of a bit of a relationship while I was in Toronto, but we needed to really talk things through and that may have made things 
work out differently. I, I need to just be aware that I wasn't, I wasn't considering his feelings in all of this. And, and that really I, I should have been doing. Yeah. So I was talking about Dante and, and how I, I, you know, I broke his heart and I wasn't really considering uh, the feelings that, you know, the emotions that were, that were not mine. And I really needed to think, think of these things as they were happening rather than just acting out and being childish in that moment. With all of the stresses of being in sort of a new big city, having more responsibilities, sort of going to post-secondary education, I wasn't really familiar with this new big city. And I was having to get an apartment by myself, not for the first time, because I did have an apartment before that but for the first time in a big city and wasn't paying attention to all of these these changes that were happening in my life and how they were actually really affecting me and that that being said it is hard to be that way to be you know considering what what's going on around you when you are manic or hypomanic or even depressed because you have these these chemical imbalances in our brains that seem to override everything Something that helped me to prevent that from happening is to find balance. And that's not just on a bicycle or whatever recreational vehicle you prefer, but with everything. Well, for the most part, I can't say that balancing your finances 100% is required, but it probably cuts down on stress if it is. With all of the stresses of being in a new big city and going to college, on top of having a traumatic brain injury and bipolar, I was ready to really lose it. I really was. I wanted to fly by the seat of my pants, be spontaneous, be careless and carefree, take the edge off. But in reality, that leads to regret, debt and remorse for all of the things that I didn't consider when I was having all of this fun. These extraordinary strawberry fields, which is the title of this podcast, and this is the second part, is a metaphor for the strawberry dessert Jude had made for one of our very first dinner dates at his flat on Baldwin Street in downtown Toronto. But before all of this, Julia, my birth mother, she was working at a shopper's drug mart downtown Toronto where there was this manager, Greg, she said had a heart of gold. She thought we would be great together, or I should at least give him a call and see what happens. So I did, and well, in a mixed-up way, we met up at a, at a gay bar where I didn't read his signals the way I should have. We ended up starting a relationship too quickly that didn't have any direction or visible cues of any kind. So that fizzled sort of pretty quickly without any real excitement. Like we kind of had a relationship going for a bit, but we didn't really talk about what our relationship was. It was just like, oh, we're, we're going to be buddies that are just, just see each other and hang out and drink. And it just it really wasn't turning into much of anything. I really didn't know what was going on. So I, was, I, I wasn't really putting myself out there to meet anybody. I was trying to stay really, really focused on school or, or at least try and understand the assignments that I that I had to that I had to complete. So I was talking about uh, Greg. The relationship with uh, the manager at the, the shopper's drug mart, it kind of fizzled without any real excitement. It definitely wasn't going to continue after I received a phone call from Julia's sister late one evening, really late, and she said, she's gone. All I could say was who and where and, well, the silence filled in the blanks. Julia, she's dead. And after that, I couldn't sleep for a few days. Anybody that is familiar with bipolar knows that that's a quick train to mania with no stops. 
ending on a more positive note, past the funeral, it seemed like such a blur back then because it just kind of happened. It didn't feel like there was any time for processing all of these emotions that were going on. I had this really strange relationship with this guy that Julia wanted me to get together with, and I was... I really wasn't understanding what was going on with school. Like I was trying to fit in and trying to do the work and I wasn't, it seems like from every high school, the best artist went to OCAD. And so we were all basically really competitive in a way. Like we were all trying to get, that's the way they framed it, that we were trying to all get each other's jobs. And so I put that in my head and I'm like, oh shoot, I'm trying to get everybody else's job. There was a continued sort of relationship with Dante. I was trying to fit in at the the co-op that I was living, which was 15 people in this new big city, having bipolar, having traumatic brain injury. Bruce and Maureen, my adoptive parents, were still in the States. And I wasn't really close with Adriana, my sister. She just kind of was on the outskirts of, of Toronto. And I think I saw her like once since the time I'd come back to Canada. So things were were pretty raw. It was a pretty raw time for me. And um, so yeah, I'm getting off topic. Ending on a more positive note, I was saying that, that I was at the funeral. I was trying to get to the funeral and how it was just something that was just happened. Funerals really make it real. I don't know if anybody, obviously people know because everybody probably has gone to a funeral or two, but it just, it becomes so much more real when you're there. And well, you won't believe who came with me to the funeral. It's actually Bruce and Maureen, my adoptive parents who came with me. Like, that's just, just amazing. It's such an admirable thing that they did that because, you know, they, they put aside any, any weird, I don't know about resentment or anger or, or maybe they felt gratitude to her for, for giving them a daughter. I don't know, but any, any feelings that they had about this woman that they didn't even know, they, they put that aside and they're just like, you know what, we're going to support our daughter and we're going to go with her. It was a really raw time, but they came with me and, and that was, yeah, that was a, I thought it was really admirable for them to be doing that. Within a couple of months, I was in my second year at OCAD. And I was at the coffee shop across the street, sipping some tea, sort of being overwhelmed with just my, my first couple classes, looking out the window and feeling like, what am I going to do? And the first part of this episode said, someone just said to me, what, what program are you in? When they saw me with my portfolio and I was sort of a bundle of emotions ready to fly at that moment. You'll hear in the next couple episodes how I did kind of fly and then kind of came back down to the ground and, and realized how to function properly and that doesn't sound like a good word but how to function and be happy at the same time is that a good one (laughs) the insight for this episode is setting up boundaries because as you heard my relationships were all over the place because i wasn't establishing any healthy boundaries having unhealthy boundaries can be emotionally painful, leading to depression, anxiety, and even stress-related injuries. Having no boundaries is like leaving your home unlocked, open to anyone, including unwanted guests. Creating healthy boundaries maintains self-respect, and it will also help in recognizing the need to enforce and protect your self-esteem, while at the same time empowering you to set your own limits. They also help to ensure that you maintain healthy relationships. And I've actually got sort of a shorthand list here to make it easier for you starting this out, trying to understand it and trying to trying to put it all together. Because when I was sort of doing a bit of research on this, I found a short list here that that could also help you just get you in thinking about about these these ideas and your relationships and and how you want to go about creating those boundaries. So this this shorthand list is 
name your your limits because that also helps you in figuring out what you can tolerate and what what sort of gets you sort of stressed out. Tune into your feelings. Be direct. Give yourself permission. Practice some self-awareness. Consider your past and present. Make self-care a priority. Seek support. Be assertive when setting your boundaries. And start small. You can't do big things, especially right at the beginning. You need to figure out where things are and, and what, how you'll be going about this, just making incremental changes. But hopefully that makes, makes it easier for everybody if they're having trouble creating, creating boundaries and en- enforcing them or making sure they stick with them because I still have trouble with it. I think it's, it's something that we all go through. The references, and I will put them on facebook.com backslash tangentalist with the capital T. All right. Thanks, Glorious Humanoids, for tuning in. I'll see you next time. And this is what I will go into great deal with in the next episode as I take you down another rabbit hole of my heady days of my rebellious youth, tripped up by disorder. Thank you, Glorious Humanoids, for tuning in. Folding up these anecdotes, I express them to you and I give them for you to enjoy and consider as I reflect and remodel and re-engage what the future has for me on these social platforms. See you next time on The Tangentalist. Tangentalist.